Bo Nelson is the co-owner of Thou Mayest Coffee Roasters in Kansas City. In his cafes, Bo seamlessly blends rural and urban life, a reflection, he says, of the city he serves. Bo grew up on a farm working his family's 10-acre nursery where he honed his horticultural skills, learned the basics of business, and developed a healthy work ethic that shows up in everything he does. It's my pleasure to welcome Bo Nelson to the No First Podcast. Bo, great to have you on the show today. Hi, Max. How's it going? I'm good. How are you, sir? Man, what a strange time to be alive on planet Earth. It is indeed. Now, where are you today? <laughs> I'm in our roasting facility. My office is abuts right next to the roasting area, so I can do emails and roast and package and just be a part of all that energy and all that action. So I'm sitting in there. It's nice and quiet in here today. Usually we've got a lot of music going and, and there's usually a lot of uh, communication that's chatter that's happening between all the orders. It's, I feel like it's like a back kitchen. You just walk in and, and you hear orders being, if we were just sliding food across the shelves at the, in, in the back of the restaurant, it, it probably looked pretty much the same. So. Absolutely. And now you didn't say where exactly you are in the world. Kansas City, Missouri at the moment. Are you originally from Kansas City? I am. I was born and born and raised in Kansas City and family runs a small family business here in town. And and so I've just kind of grown up in that small business community and being right on the state line, you go back and forth between Kansas and Missouri. It's got me involved in history and architecture, but mostly uh, agriculture and horticulture. So that's kind of my pedigree is in is in that. And the Midwest is, there's just all these farmers and all this farmland, all this food, agriculture, agronomy, horticulture, botany. And so that's just what I've been around my entire life. Is that also what the family business is, horticulture? Yeah. So they've got a series of nurseries, so they grow their own plants. And then they've got a couple retail stores and a couple wholesale facilities where they grow all the plants. So this business that I'm in now isn't terribly different just because we we want to do wholesale and we want to do retail as well. One of the first things that I learned about you, and we've known each other now close to a decade. Yeah. One of the first things that I remember you talking to me about, you were giving me tips on my own plants. <laughs> I'm imagining that plant chemistry and understanding soil contents, that's just part of your dinnertime conversation with the family growing up. Yeah, that was the walking around with what they're called Myron meters, where you test uh, the pH of, of the water and, and you're just walking around the farm, looking at roots, talking about diseases, talking about pests, talking about how Murphy's Law is out to screw you today. It's against Mother Nature in a way. You're just always on your toes and, and you're always looking towards the future, but you've got your ear to the ground in terms of the not too distant past. You can't do the exact same thing that you did with this year's crop that you did with last year's crop. So everything's adapting and it's moving and it's changing. And it's just, I don't know, I call it the rodeo. Is it going to be eight seconds or eight hours or 80 hours? (laughs) (laughs) Or 80 years. Yeah, it could be. And just, you don't ever know because once you get in that kind of that river of just these crops, these cycles, this like this rhythm, it's interesting. You just can't, you can't ever not hear that rhythm. Even- even now, like I'll get anxiety in springtime, <laughs> even though that's not the busy time for me anymore because I've changed industries, but I still get anxiety in springtime. My wife's always like, you are really on edge because it's, it's getting to be close to Mother's Day. So that's the Super Bowl for, for the nursery industry. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> when you're on that rodeo of life and seasons are affecting the nature of your family business, any early lessons in running a small business, any pitfalls that you were able to avoid as a result of being a small business owner yourself, seeing how it was handled in your family? Yeah, that, that's a really tough question because it was, it was kind of on a daily basis. My dad threw out our television when we were pretty young. So there's four boys in the family. And so it was kind of crazy. <laughs> my mom needs to be sainted. And my dad, he was just, he, he was doing his best to try to teach us those lessons always. He used to say the best fertilizer is a grower's shadow. That was the main thing. It's just about being present and about keeping your eyes on that thing that you are doing. When you're a grower, you have to be present. You have to be touching these plants. You have to have eyes on them, not just on the, the top oh, yeah. part that's, yeah, that's visual, but also just even the roots and whatnot. And you, just, you have to touch things. It's not just to set it and forget it. It's a uh, this is what we grew up talking around the, the table. It's like how to manage people, how to run crews, how to grow plants, how to read the weather. And then growing up, when did you become fascinated by architecture? That was in college. So I guess I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought it was going to be more sports related. And I'd done sports throughout high school and on into college. And it was one of those that I was just questioning a lot of my, myself. What am I doing? Why am I here? what am I going to do with the sports degree? What am I going to be a teacher or am I going to go try to play professionally or, or what, what am I doing here? I was in this questioning stage and my dad was like, Hey, have you ever looked into being a, a, a landscape architect? He had been part of this. It's called the Kansas greenhouse growers association. And he'd brought a guy in to, to talk who was from Chicago. I think it's Heron hair and hair associate they had these studies about how you'd put plants in front of your shops and you'd get x amount of business when you'd put flowers out in front when you put like fresh plants and and you do all these plantings and so they transformed michigan avenue because they started doing all these these plantings and so he'd heard about this and so he was just talking about with these growers like how do we adapt to this or how do we bring plants in that are better to grow for and sidewalks and low maintenance but best bang for buck type of thing so it's it gets into these weird like nuances he brings all these people in and so then i get to meet them when they're coming through and, and i was introduced to landscape architecture didn't think i really had what it takes but i was gonna look into it and and i started falling in love with design and um i already knew my plant material but i really fell in love with actually i think it was more of the characters of design that i fell in love with and then as i learned more of their like philosophy that they used to design and that's when i really design started making sense for me any characters in particular yeah frank lloyd Wright is obviously the the king of of that sector but a little bit of the lesser known but still i call him a starchitect is is called lou Kahn. there's a really good documentary called my architect where his son tries to trace his his journey he has this really interesting lecture series that he he talks about materiality and our role as architecture as design and he gives this great talk about the stone wants to express itself in its stoneness or the brick and its brickness and let the stone be a stone let the brick be a brick let these materials express themselves as they should be which is this kind of crux of authenticity it's this the battle cry for that i want to express myself as i am 
not a stucco or not a faux. I'm not being covered. And so that's where I think a, a lot of, of just the early ideas started to, this cross-pollination started happening between my what my dad had taught me and that I just heard my entire life and I didn't really have a choice. And now I was out in college and, and forming my own opinions and getting those same ideas reinforced of authenticity, of hard work, of expression, of taking something that is in your head and being able to express it through your hands with some heart attached to it as well. That was just kind of, for me, that was, I fell in love with that process. And I think that's what helped the, this thou mayest thing take off to a, a pretty healthy start. I'm not ready to talk about thou mayest quite yet. I'm still grappling with the landscape architecture. Did, it, did that end up becoming your degree? No, I, it just got, it kind of got my foot in the door. And, and because I knew my plant material, it was just the design part that I needed to get under my belt. But the more I got into the design part, the more I, I was like, wow, architecture is really cool. And just understanding, I think the way the world's put together, but also how to take it apart. <laughs> I think that was another interesting, I'm learning this only now is like this idea of deconstructivism, of taking it all apart and looking at how we can rebuild, not just as a culture, but like personally. Sure. Um, a lot of us are going through that personally. It's it's through the deconstruction that reprioritization is possible. And through yeah. re reprioritization, you're able to put back the things that are necessary and yeah. perhaps remove some of the exactly. superfluous. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is that idea that you strip this building away from these parts. You strip these ideas down to their parts and you just say, what are we doing and how do we focus in on those? Hmm. You know, that, that's just been really helpful. And to me, all of a sudden, it takes something that, seems ethereal, it seems heady, and all of a sudden it puts it into the practical. And I just really appreciate messages and people and brands and think you know, they're connecting you to things like actual physical things. And I'm not saying that service and, and that tech and that some of these other more digital ideas aren't important as well, but there's just something to that physicality that I think especially this past year has really showed me we need that. And I think we've been uh, saying that we needed it before, but nobody really understood that um, <laughs> until this year. And now everybody's, oh, okay, I could, I see how this is, these physical spaces are important or like how these environments, they actually matter. And these connect, these connectivity points that we have with each other, they actually are really important to our health. Bo, in growing up in this space, being preternaturally attracted to or, or knowledgeable about environments, about yeah. spaces, and about how the earth works, not just the world, but the earth. I'm curious to, to learn a little bit about when and how coffee entered your life. And in the most endearing way possible, can you tell me about your first cup of coffee? Yeah, I, I think what I like most about coffee on a very broad and philosophical level is how much it moves and shifts and changes and, and how it shows me how I'm rarely ever correct in my assumptions. I really don't know that much about a very complicated product and process and farming and agriculture and agronomy and horticulture and botany. And there's just all, you know, imports and exports. And this is the second highest traded commodity behind crude oil. 
per GDP. It's just, it's a big industry. It's a lot of product. It's very complicated. And I think that's what attracted me to it is it I just couldn't see the end of it. But I also like it just proved me wrong every time I turned around. I remember the first cup was it was like in college and I thought I was drinking the good stuff, which usually had some sort of a skull and crossbones on it because I was like, <laughs> you know, I thought it the more intense and the more you're like doing the shimmy shake, like the better. I, I guess I, I learned, you know, pretty quickly that and this was right after my architecture days in college when I was moving more into my environmental and philosophical to wrap up a, a very non-traditional degree. And I would start really getting involved with coffee houses, writing these senior papers, started to drink better coffees those past few years. And so I ended up at, at near the end of my college, beginning of, of my professional career, got to make a trip to Africa to visit a friend. And I was just visiting flower farms just to see other industries around there. And when it comes to horticulture and Got to visit a coffee farm and got to see the backside of the, the farm, got to see the how it was grown and just the processing part of it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. This tropical fruit that we, it's a seed and we just apply some heat to it over some time and that's coffee. And so it just, I was blown away at how complicated yet how simple it was. And it was just something that caught my attention, came back, met a guy who was roasting and where were you in Africa? Down in South Africa and Zimbabwe. And what do the Zimbabweans do? Is it cultivated coffee? Yeah, so there's different farms that at different elevations. You've got like lower land coffee. A lot of times, like the lower in elevation that you go, the the lower the the grade in in, in coffee quality. And when you really stop to think about just like on a very macro scale, when the the you think about this coffee belt that goes all around the globe from about the Tropic of Cancer to the Tropic of Capricorn. Coffee really doesn't stray too much farther north or south from that belt that goes around. So there's really this prime growing region. But then also on three-dimensional, like on the elevation scale, the higher up in the mountain you go, you, you, get, you start getting less insects, you get less disease, you start getting slower rates of growing because your metabolism like slows down is just plant physiology 101 that I grew up like taking it for granted and I'll, I'll I, I do recognize like <laughs> how sometimes I'll just throw this stuff out like it's everybody should know this stuff but it's important to realize where things come from and that there is a very specific part of our earth that can do this yeah. is fascinating. As I began to explore coffee and the, the growth of coffee and how coffee is cultivated, is there are areas of the world where coffee grows naturally. And I'm always looking for the most authentic or organic or uh, straightforward natural way into something. Then I'll synthesize it. I can justify synthesizing it after I've explored the root origin of something. And so the reason I asked where is because I similarly was offered an opportunity to go to arguably the birthplace of coffee to Ethiopia and explore these areas where it's an heirloom. It's a little bit more rugged. It's a little bit less straightforward, right? Scrubbier. And so that's why I asked about Zimbabwe and particularly about the cultivation process because it's a different ritual 
depending on where you are between the, the tropics of Capricorn and Cancer. In developing this knowledge bow, first, can I just say how fascinating it is that you didn't start drinking coffee until college, really? Oh, uh, yeah, it's probably like mid-20s. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So that, take a beat and appreciate that <laughs> the maker of my favorite coffee. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it, I came in through the, the non-traditional way to the industry. Seeing the farming, Zimbabwe just has some really rich, amazing soils. The people there are so hospitable, so peaceable. They're just, they're what I'm used to from the bread bat they used to call that a bread basket of Africa and it's we're sitting here in the the bread basket of America I guess on the Kansas side I'm from a Kansas farm my grandpa's a you know farmer out near Abilene Kansas my other one was from Wamego Kansas this is just like small farm farming communities and you're just trying to trying to figure it out trying to find your way and you have to rely on these like very classic structures like community and like actual community and people throw around these words sustainability and it's yeah but when like when you're on the farm these guys are so resourceful these are some of the most resourceful smartest hardworking people yet i don't feel like the value that they they actually provide the world usually is representative in their say bank account which is always a bummer that part of the the ecology of like value the farmers always get, they're at the lowest point on that. And, and it's always a bummer to me, but I have to, to deal with that. That's part of it that got me into it. Partly horticulture, partly community. It, it just provides a warmth to the person who's drinking it. It can provide contemplative tendencies. Grabbing a, a cup of coffee with someone is usually for the relationship. It's not necessarily for the coffee. And so coffee is a conduit as just bringing people together. And whether that's the farming, whether that's the end user, whether that's just going on a date or hearing out somebody's idea. The last few times that we've spent time together, when we've been able to get together, I have been utterly fascinated, blown away by the manner in which you conduct yourself in your community. Dear listener, I wish I could express to you with authority and with effectiveness the nature of this man. He can walk through the streets of Kansas City as though he were barefoot in the land of Eden. It might as well be. Everyone kind of walks up to you and greets you and you greet them right back. If, If the phrase, the man's never known a stranger, could be any truer, it would be true for Bo Nelson. The, the fact is, Bo, the way that you comport yourself has everything to do with your sense of community. And I'm wondering if you've had to do any cultivation of that comportment. Yeah, that can be tricky in the big, small town where everybody, you can look at it in two different perspectives. You can look at it as I'm trapped here and everybody's all up in my business. Uh, or you can look at it as, oh, I get to be a part of everybody else's life too. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, hey, we're a one big family. And it's, yeah, that can go both ways. Yeah, you got to be careful and you got to be, I don't know. I think about all these guys who got caught up in the, the like the entrepreneurial, I don't know, the gung-ho, rah-rah, entrepreneurial, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go hockey stick growth, crush it. These businessy, like newer age businessy words. I feel like a few years ago, there was just so much energy and excitement behind it. And 
a lot of people getting into this star entrepreneurial realm. And there's people who got caught up in that. And that was where I look around now and I'm like, I, I understand it. I actually feel it tighter, like around me, like a blanket almost. You just, you can't get away from community. You are part of it and you are bringing it. And so everybody who keeps looking to others for the answers or looking for the product or looking for the narrative, to be quite frank, these narratives that are flying all around. And, and as people are looking for those, what I hope that they realize is like they can create them themselves. And those narratives that you want to be a reality can be a reality. Once you apply effort to them, that's not, is not that simple, but that's very, my, I guess the idea is that there's certain times and, and certain places for everything. There are these like natural cycles for not just for thou mayest, but just for the community. It's like now is a really good time when people are, are like longing to connect and more the, the way we can, you know, find these more bridges to do that more excuses, I guess you could say to meet people for coffee or to be able to connect in some meaningful way beyond just digital. Cause it's so difficult to have these conversations when you're like not in the presence of someone else you don't feel that energy and i think that's what i miss the most about the the coffee shop is like feeling that energy and feeling people connecting in the space and creating a space that people they care about they're they have opinions about it have there been any bright spots any kismet that's come about as a result of having to rethink how you do things yeah, yeah. So apart from just having to be careful in in a big small, <laughs> big small town, just because that community and, and it's such a, a real part we, during COVID. As soon as it it hit, and we really, I got pretty quiet overall. But that's also just because I got really focused in on work. For me, it's just about getting back to the product. It's about getting back to to our, the core. And the question I asked myself was like, if you had a chance to redo anything, would you redo it? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I got to work. And as I was answering that question for myself, would you redo anything? You know, looking into that company and just gutting it, auditing all of our systems, looking at everything. And for me personally as well. What were the biggest boulders that you had to move there as it relates to what did you change? In business? Sure. In the business side, just getting reorganized, we had experienced such crazy growth the past few years that everything was just sloppy in the back. It was in the back office and the and kind of the admin side of it. It was any you know, tools was, that you use to get reorganized. Yeah, mostly just getting our operating agreement and and also like the the actual mission, vision, values like that. That's been a huge thing that we've been diving over because that. Once you lock that in and, and it becomes such a real thing, it's not just words on paper. You're looking at that mission statement and you're just nodding your head. Yeah, that's it. That is exactly what I'm here to do. Yeah. You know, this is exactly what we exist here as an organization to, to do. What are your mission, vision, and values? You don't have to do it off top of head, but what's the gist? And, and it sounds like you're building your brand book right now. 
Yeah, Talk to yeah. Me about that. There, there's a lot of that going on. We've just had our first actual marketing meetings. I've always been interested in marketing, and I think I've just been interested in the why, why people do what they do, why do they buy, why do they feel more comfortable in certain spaces than they do in like these architecturally acclaimed spaces that nobody hangs out in, but these like brutalist big buildings that, that are so intimidating. And then it's on my first shop, I didn't design it for me. I, de- I designed it for people and, and it turned into this lodgy type feel. And everybody was like, I just want to live here. And I was like, what is, what's, what is that? <laughs> what, what is that feeling? What is that aspiration? What is that? How do you that, bottle that? Yeah. So there was just, there was so many questions that had to do around that. And it's just been such a blur these past eight years that if you could actually slow down and, and actually work on your shot. I look at everything as this analogy to sports and it's you've got game after game and you're just always performing and it's so when are you supposed to like actually practice to get better? When if you have games like every day, it's so what are your off hours that you're like trying to learn some a new skill that you're trying to learn a new thing or that you're trying to better yourself or trying to help you see outside of that box to strip it down in biology, like creating new neural pathways. I want to continue to scramble the way that I think about things because I, I want to be able to connect things differently and I need to be able to continue learning those off hours. That's 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. The best time, really the best time to get specific. How many dumbest roasters locations are there? So we've had, I think up to six now, but we currently have four. Two of them are a hybrid model that we're working on with Family Tree family tree nursery, which is my family's business. You know, that's a lot of people are like, Oh, this just makes sense. And it's, yeah, it's because me and my brothers wanted to work together again. So (laughs) we designed this, we, we basically said, Hey, we've got all this extra space out in the greenhouse. And if they have to be there all winter to take care of the plants anyway, they're like, let's just throw some seating out here in the greenhouse, see what happens. And that's how that happened. That's been a wild success. We've got two of those shops now and one in Oberlin park and one in Shawnee. We're We've got a full-on cafe that we that Thou Mayest manages and that Family Tree houses. So it's out in the greenhouse. And then we've got two other Thou Mayest, one in the River Market. It's the OG historic neighborhood down by the river front. And it's where our kind of our, our farmer's market is, really cool area of town. And then the other area, the other shop that we have is in the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. And then we had one in the crossroads, but we had to close it during COVID here. So we closed that location, that original lodge location. That was also in the crossroads. We had to close that one a few years ago too. So yeah, it's, we've, I've gotten to express myself in a few different spaces with a few different looks and feels. And I've got some pretty strong opinions now on, on just what I'm looking for, but also what people are looking for and, and what works and what doesn't. What's the overlap there? Could you boil that down for us? Uh, what, what do you mean? What are people looking for and that what you're also happen to be looking for? Maybe this isn't unique to Kansas City, but there's, it's called analysis paralysis. And there's so many people who, you know, who go travel the world and they go experience all these other really interesting ideas, concepts, things that they want or aspire to. And they come back to Kansas City and then they just bitch about it. And like, why don't we have this? Well, in, in Chicago, they have this. Or in LA, they have this. Or I went to this fusion place up in Portland and oh my gosh, it was so amazing. And it's like, why don't you bring that here? Isn't that not, it's not a negative thing. It's like, 
a possibility thing. But I, I don't see a red ocean. I don't. I, I see a blue ocean. I see po- potential, and that's well, when I. And with regards to that, I have a bit of experience in this. Yeah. Certain things do work in certain places that in ways true. that they don't work in other true. places, and so you are forced to rethink or reimagine or scrap and start over. And I'm interested in that right there, though. Like, why do they? Ha- why are they? So sometimes it's like certain products. Trying to do a seafood in Kansas City isn't exactly, quite literally, the freshest concept. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't work so well because uh, you're not no. coastal and you're no. not large enough to get those daily shipments that are required. Yeah. So you're forced to sit on yeah. frozen yeah. a lot of the time. And yeah, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Seafood in the Midwest, especially in a town that's not Chicago, yeah. right? But it's here, very- here is here is interesting. The infrastructure in Kansas City, because we have so many caves, we actually we are a hub for coffee. So you actually see coffee start to show up in Kansas City as like a regional distribution center because of how many of these underground caves we have. These limestone caves. It's suitable. It's ideal for for coffee storage. Wow, Star- that sounds like an entire podcast episode. Oh, it's the it's coffee amazing. caves of Kansas City. Yeah, if it's you look up the, uh, <laughs> the, the Subtropolis, uh, it's the world's largest underground business complex or whatever. I don't know. It's got like trains going through it. It's massive. Wow. Um, but yeah, this is, it's like as far as you can see, stacked to the ceiling full of coffee. It's like, I had no clue until I got into the industry, like what sort of infrastructure was even sitting underneath Kansas City. But to go back to your question, you were asking about the intersection of just the... What the, you look for and what others, yeah. what your what your customers yeah. look for. Yeah. So I call it like, I, it's this idea of, I call it warm nostalgia. In the greenhouse, it is, it's this feeling. It's this big air quotes vibe. And peop, that's the new economy. There, it's, it is a economy. I won't say it is the economy, but it is, it will be a part of the economy moving forward vibe has to be taken into consideration in the past you you would hear these coffee shops say we're really focused on the product and so they wouldn't really spend any money in the environment mm-hmm. i think that needs to be changed and as craftspeople you, no matter whether it's coffee or whether it's booze or a speakeasy or or what you have to have you have to have the customer in mind first and foremost which is what they experience first which is environment then product or sorry environment then the service and then the product and in the craft industry a lot of times it's product first then service second and then environment third and i'm i just suggest that there is a rearrangement of that in terms of look at it the way the consumer would look at it that's not the way you actually have to treat it treat your product first and foremost like absolutely always product first like i am all about that excellence in what you do and and push for the best that you can do not that you're not comparing yourself but if that's what I look at myself and I'm like am I giving my all am I giving it my best like you know for what I know for my experience level there's so much of it to your point it's very it is very contextual like it's very however good the other roasters are in Kansas City is really only as good as I will be if I'm not around all these other people who are like sharpening me or pushing me to be the best version of myself, then if it's too easy, if there's no friction, how are you really building that muscle? And I think that there's a value to that sort of a community that does have a a healthy amount of competition. 
And I think that with these spaces, a lot of times, like what we've designed them for is for kind of these, like, um, they're not necessarily spaces that encourage connectivity. They aren't necessarily designed with that in mind. Here's like. Connectivity the, or connection? Sorry? Connectivity or connection to the to one another in the space. But it could also, it could also be through like to to the brand. It could also be to a product. It it can be that there's just, there's a lot of different vehicles that it can, a lot of different ways that it can go. And just, I guess the point is like trying to slow down and think of those different modalities of connectivity. Sure. And so the detail, the devil in the details, like how deep can you go into those modalities to where it's not only am I, I'm trying to subtly hide. I, I walk around with my phone and I'm looking for my design parameters. I'm holding it up to the space that I know. I'm marking a big X on the floor and saying, <laughs> I'm calling backboard. People are going to stand right here and look forward and they're going to be, oh shit, I need to take a photo. That's right. what they're going to say when they stand right here. And then they get to see a little peekaboo of the brand in the corner. They've got some little plants up in the corner. They catch a little bit of this espresso machine. They catch a little bit of booze. It's right here in the middle where it's, you're going to catch somebody like probably pouring latte art. And all of a sudden you get to see the entire, what do we do? Boom, right here in one photo. We do it. We do a lot of different things, but this photo is going to make you feel all these warm, nostalgic feelings of, I want to go be a part of that. Or I, I that makes me feel warm or that makes me feel another way to say it is like at home uh, or yeah comfortability Mm -hmm. and so that's what I want people to feel and so I try not to take the brand too seriously I try not to take myself too seriously I try to let make sure that these spaces like there's a certain level of grit a certain level of dust I've always said that is like acceptable because I want it to feel like it's being used it's not I'm not building a temple to coffee I'm building I'm building a marketplace I'm building a you know, a a space where these people come in and they have no idea who they're sitting next to until I'm behind that bar. And I'm like, have you two, like, what, what is it that you need to get you on your day? And you are looking at me saying, Hey man, I'm like really wrestling with this business idea. I've got this idea that I've, I've been wanting to take to the market, but like, I don't really, I've never really done this before. And it's cool. Like, have you got on liveplan.com? Have you written your business plan? Hey, you should actually talk to, they're sitting right next to you. Uh, They're actually like a business attorney. Hey, you know. That's unique to you, Bo. I've been in many. Space. It was the space that that was (laughs) like, it was bringing, it was like the fact that these two are sitting right next to each other at this particular time and place. I was always fascinated by that. Like, why are they coming in? And how is that magnetism happening, that vibe that there's like this fourth dimensional thing that's happening and I don't really understand it, but it's just, it gets me going every time because it's the closest thing I found to magic, I think is what I'm trying to say is I'm fascinated by magic. And I think that it's the closest thing to, I don't know how to explain this. Well, I will interrupt you only to say that you don't give yourself enough credit because it has very much has to do with the proprietor of the space and his or her ability to draw that energy and that type of individual into the space. I challenge you actually in this next phase of life to begin to identify and define for yourself and better cultivate what it is about you that 
makes that possible because I do feel like there's a magnetism to it. It's not just magic. It's, it's a physical realism. It's something having to do with how you orient is how the world orients towards you. And yeah. not blowing smoke here, but the truth of the matter is you could have all the Turkish tile in the world. You could have all the dead stock sneakers in the world. I'm trying to think of other like motifs that I've seen in coffee yeah. shops. And you don't have Bo Nelson in your coffee shop. And yet the Howard Schultzes of the world, the reason that he did what he did in the manner in which he did it has everything to do with the energy that he put into it. And yeah. similarly, when you go into a Thou Mayest Coffee Roasters location, when you go in and you experience the energy that comes out of the space that you put your, your blood, sweat, and tears into, what you get out of it is the occasion where you're sitting talking about city planning and it just so happens that the person responsible for city planning yeah. is yeah. sitting right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, just, it, happen, it just happens like, it's, it's just so cool to see, to think about that. That's what I want in my head. And then to see it happen in, in the physical was just like, such a remarkable, I don't know, it, it, to, to see something that was unseen become seen to me is like the most addictive thing that's out there. Taking an idea and turning it into reality. That's my goal now. It's like, how can, you know, can other, it's just that it's the, I call it the deep. It's like, man, it, you just can't get enough of that. That's some like sweet water. And it's like, I can't get enough of that, that feeling of create the creation process, that creative energy that everybody somehow is connected to and we're somehow have a relation to i don't know what it is and i don't know how it it comes to be you have a much better words around it than, than i ever could because I, 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 I just stumble i'm just stumbling in this you make of, you make nice words well, i think this is the perfect part in our conversation to break and go through what's in your cookies this week. This is the part in the conversation where we talk about what you read, watched, listened to, shopped for, what's in your internet history. And we always start with what's your favorite cookie? So Bo, what's your favorite cookie? I've got this, this snickerdoodle that I was raised on. It's called Dusty Inslee's snickerdoodle cookie. And yeah, it was just, it's something that has some deep nostalgia for me. But yeah, when they're still warm, you don't necessarily cook them all the way. You want them to be a little doughy. Do you have the recipe for Dusty Inslee's snickerdoodle? Yeah, cream? it's not on me though. I don't remember. That's okay. We'll share it on the blog when we get it from you. That's That sounds incredible. In, is there anything different about this snickerdoodle as compared to other snickerdoodles in the world? That's a good question. I, I really have a tough time. Like, I, If it's not that cookie, then I dismiss it. I don't even think about it because I don't want to judge it. So Ta if somebody else is- no, That's okay. Yeah. What article of clothing would you call your battle armor? Yeah, my boots, man. When I have the right boots on, I feel invincible. Um, and talk to me about Echo brand. Yeah, those, I, I used to, when I was doing horticulture, when I was a grower at Family Tree, I was managing about 10 acres of plants. And so I was putting roughly about 20 miles a day walking about that much and you're doing everything you'll be up in the gutters in the greenhouse and you're about 15 20 feet in the air and in the little six inch walkway pulling these gigantic parachutes plastic off uh, on or off or you're putting anyway you're, you're just doing a lot of different 
crazy work. It's wet, it's dry, it's concrete, it's mud, it's gravel. It's just, you're putting the biggest, most amount of wear and tear on your article of clothing. And I used to burn through boots like, I don't know, about every two months I'd have to go buy a new pair. Echo was the first brand that I, I started getting from Nordstrom. It was also because they had a, a really great return policy there. And as soon as they would break, I would go take them in and be like, oh, you lasted three months this time. And they'd be like, that, there's, those are guaranteed to last six. What do you do, Mr. Nelson? It's like, you wouldn't believe it if, if I told you. Sure. The longtime listeners of the show know that I'm a big fan of the Nordstrom Way, a book yeah. that I read as my nonfiction book report in sixth grade, which gives you an indication of the kind of young person that I was. But Nordstrom has a famous return policy. They will take back tires and they don't sell tires. The eco, the echo boots that I think that you were a fan of are the men's track 25. Is that right? I don't remember the echo. It's, and it's especially nice for, for someone with high arches, it sounds like. It's, uh, they've got Gore-Tex, so they're able to stay dry. Oh. They don't have a steel toe. I don't know if you can get them with steel toes. I personally don't like steel toe. I like to basically a non-heavy sole on there. A lot of people like Red Wings. I just feel like the sole on those are a little bit too heavy. I need to, I've got a little bit more of an athletic posture. I'm not necessarily just standing or like moving from a place of like central power. I'm like, which I feel like that's what those Red Wings are designed is like power here, like stationary. Like I need to be really agile. So I need like good traction. I need high, high, the high, high ankle support. You were talking earlier about the coffee that you were seeking out that usually had a skull and crossbones. I feel like it should also have on it somewhere, especially being based in Kansas City, Central Power. Yeah. <laughs> Brand name. <laughs> have just a big panopticon, a big all-seeing eye. Exactly. What have you been listening to as your background noise? Um, here's another little side rabbit hole that I go down. I love hanging out in the woo-woo. I love the fringe. I love hanging out in the, is it real? Is it not? Is it? time for this or is it not yet I, I don't know but there's a different frequencies and how they affect your mood going along with that space is a vibe those vibrational energies and especially just people you hear this more often than not I, I pay attention to people's speech patterns and habits and when they come in and they say oh, there's good vibes in here I, I want to know why they're saying that but like why has the past three out of five people said that to me you could have said anything to me about this space and you said the vibes are killer. What is that? So this whole idea about vibrations and just about different vibrational energies and the earth, and this is me going down a little bit of a science rabbit hole, but the Schumann resonance, the 7.83 Hertz that the earth vibrates at and just playing around with that in terms of productivity, how it relates to my productivity throughout the day. I can't say that I have any hard data to go to say that 7.83 hertz pumped in my head all day long makes me more productive, but makes me more peaceful. <laughs> Helps me collect my thoughts more. That's me, fascinating. Yeah. We'll link to a 30-minute 30, a 30 track <laughs> of Earth Tones, the Schumann Resonance Healing Music with Alpha Waves that yeah. Bo has shared with us. On Spotify, yeah. it's very woo-woo, as he said. Oh, yeah, you can get into alpha theta waves, like you can get into productivity methods. Yeah, these it's very the whole health and wellness world. I get to live in it every day with having these cafes in these plant worlds. You go and sit in the greenhouse. You're sitting out with a bunch of these plants, and you, you should just see the characters that that come in there. It's it's a fascinating study of 
people watching. <laughs> and some of the thoughts, the ideas that they bring with them too. And they're like, ooh, these plants are talking back to me. And you're like, yeah, you've got, that's, that's, that's an issue. <laughs> that's a problem. Whose face would you like to see on the dollar bill? Buck Mr. Fuller. Who is Bucky Fuller? Bucky Fuller was, uh, he was a designer, but he was also just a father and a community leader, but he was a He's an inventor and a futurist. And I think he's the first one that I ran across in the design world that, that really inspired me. And it's somebody who not a whole lot of people know about or talk about, or he just, he's kind of like Tesla. He kind of got the raw end of the PR stick and kind of got swept under the rug of history a, a little bit, not quite as bad as Tesla, but. Um, Bucky Fuller is quoted in the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, yeah. and he's, most well known for, I think, popularizing the geodesic dome. Yeah, yeah. The triangles that kind of collect together into a housing unit that is a dome. Yeah. Was a professor at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale for a long time. What I know of him, I'm a huge fan. He is a futurist. He, he did a wonderful job of predicting a lot of what we now know to just be part of our daily lives. Fascinating answer. I'm, I'm actually quite thrilled. To- yeah, I, just, I, I really like the way he viewed the world. He did this thing called the Dymaxion map. And I just remember looking at it and I was like, this is fascinating. What just, is it? It's, uh, it's just a different viewpoint of the globe. It's a different oh. way of looking at a map of where we live. And it's, you start looking into distortions and about these perceptions and what is reality it's like and and you start looking at different strategies of like how they were looking at globes and what are the purpose of these maps and it reminds me of that episode of the west wing when they want to redraw the maps yeah no and it's very yeah if you look at it it's just it's a very pure way of looking at the the world without having it weighted either north or south hemisphere like you see the traditional maps it just distorts Antarctica. It looks massive over the base of the, the map, and that's not real. So, and the United States is also large because yeah. depending yeah. on where you bought the map, yeah. they make, the, they make yeah. the continent larger. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where I, I really like. He's very critical, and he's criticism without an, a, a solution. And so he's, what's the solution? He's, the cars... Or it's, it's a problem. And then he's, what's the solution? It's like these Dymaxion cars. And he came up with these, like these cars that have three wheels instead of four. They're able to turn on a dime and it just makes it more efficient. And he got the PR nightmare, which is like right when he was releasing it and somebody died in one. Also, the car industries didn't really want him producing these really efficient modes of transportation. So that whole part of our transportation history kind of just falls off the face of them. Off the face of the Dymaxion map. (laughs) Yeah. A ringing endorsement if ever there was one. Right. Tell me, what what band motivates you? Ooh. What band? Mm Mm-hmm. Gosh, like probably Rush or there's basically like a lot of classic rock that goes on in there. I I have to be careful when I listen to it because it depends on where I'm at and who I'm listening it with and I can't just uh, mindlessly, Why is that? I, just, I, I don't know. I just have very, some sacred thoughts about like classic Americana that I don't <laughs> really want to get <laughs> messed up by what is probably the reality of it, which is, it's not For, as clean, clean as I, I have it in my head, you know. There were 
three classic rock stations in St. Louis when I was of driving age. And that had to have something to do with it. it also- I, I, I know that definitely had something to do with mine, for sure. Like being out on the farm, like working with these, I'll be honest, these low lives from, usually from <laughs> Leavenworth. Like they were ex-cons or like, you know. Oh, Leavenworth. Oh, yeah. It wasn't very far away from where the farm was. So we, every now and then we'd have police helicopters and dogs running through the valley. It was lively. But they were classic rock aficionados. Yeah, it'd be like 98.9, Johnny Darren Murphy in the morning. And you just have these voices and this exactly. whole- just the whole character, the nonsense they would talk about, and then like finally getting to the actual music and right, just you know. just a thirty minute diatribe on Getty Lee. When I say like classic Changed. rock, I, I just there's like a, a rawness. There's like this yeah, it's this heritage Americana, this idea of like individuality. Like I'm going to express myself in a very oh, what did Whitman say that that barbaric yelp. And I think that's <laughs> what I look for, for inspiration. And it's oh, like, captain, my captain. Yeah, like I, I'm looking for that barbarism, that rawness, that realness. And it's, it's not, I don't know. It's, I try not to get too masculine about it because I don't really like to polarize it like that. But it's lately I've, I've been really embracing that part of that barbaric that barbarian kind of that it's that raw energy that's so authentic and it's it just it's a longing to, to for something <laughs> and it wants it so badly and it's that i've had this idea that there's like this part of me this boy and then there's this beast and these two are in conflict with each other it's like where the wild things are it's, it's that same analogy that one always like really resonated with me and it's like being able to harness that beast that that is it can it can be really productive but it can also drag you through the field if you don't harness that ox if you don't harness that beast and so this idea that you can be able to harness those things and i think even like within a small city like kansas city so that's what i'm i've always had an awareness of that where it's, i've watched so many people who don't realize that they have something that is very powerful inside of them that they can harness and so you watch it, like get the best of them. Like they have a problem with X, Y, or Z. It doesn't really matter, but they make this, there's this narrative that, that surrounds these people within these small communities. And a lot of times like those narratives define who we are. And that's where I'm like, whether it's the coffee guy or whether it's the community connector or whether it's the cla- the guy who likes this classic rock or like he gets really, he goes on these crazy talks about plants or who knows what, <laughs> whatever happens to be floating across his mental landscape at the time. I want that authenticity that there's a point, there's this little spot, there's this little spark. And it's where this like immense depth of life resides. And it's this connectivity between taking these ideals, taking these work hard or stick it to the man or I've got something to say and I'm going to put some music to it. You're going to listen to it and love it. And there's this there's this energy that we get behind and, and all of a sudden you get everybody like singing that and pumping their fist and all of a sudden everybody starts into that cadence and it becomes something that's like this movement that is really, it's like this heartbeat. It's this, again, it's like that, this barbaric raw energy. And I'm, I love that aspect to life. I love that aspect to business that it can collect that and within our own individual lives. And so why music has the power to be able to do that. Business has the power to be able to do that. Coffee, these things, there's things, but 
they're common points of interest that we all, it, it all connects with us in different ways, in very beautiful ways, in ways that maybe can kind of mess with the way that you perceive something because you have a certain memory attached to it. And so I think being careful with those memories um, that people have, but also trying to create those spaces that say, no, those, it's all good here. It's all good for you to like express that energy, that, that energy that's inside of you that is so powerful. Has anybody told you how powerful that is, you know, and how cool you really are? Yeah. One of the things that I've had to really hone in on during this time is that beast versus boy piece. And I spend every morning at least 10 minutes a morning. More often than not, it's closer to 30 minutes a morning with Andy Puttycomb of Headspace. And he talks a lot about there are, there are positive and negative aspects to anger. There are positive and negative aspects to frustration. Fuel comes from those things, but yeah. also fire that can consume us can mm. come from those things. And not something that I am certainly known for publicly, but something that those who know me best understand and grapple with is, why is this guy so angry? And <laughs> I have issues with anger and I have been dealing with them in a way that I never had before. The pandemic kind of brought it out in a really harmful way and also potentially in a really helpful way. I, I feel like for the first time ever, I'm facing a lot of that. And Where the Wild Things Are was one of the things that I went back to. My name is Max. It's been a part of my life since before I was born. The book has followed me and the meaning behind Max has followed me. And being a person who, who does, what does he say? Let the, let the wild rumpus start, right? The, yeah, yeah. I, I am a person who's very comfortable living big and creating a rumpus, hosting a rumpus, if you will. Yeah. And I'm also well aware of my childlike qualities and well aware the beast in me. And, and Nick Lowe, I just said it, Nick Lowe has a wonderful song called The Beast in Me that his ex-father-in-law, Johnny Cash, covered. But it's perniciousness that I've been focused on, especially lately, as it has manifested itself. And learning to control that, for whatever reason, took me 40 years. And I'm still not very good at it. But it's something that I do think that all men go through at some point in time or other in their lives. I was raised to believe it was wrong. I was told it was wrong. I was trained to control it as best I could. And it's still, those lessons for whatever reason, one reason or another, never really sunk in. And I'm grappling with it now in, in a way that I never have. And I'm sorry to focus so intently on that aspect of what you just said, but it, it really did hit me. And I'm wondering if you have any reaction to it. Yeah, I love hearing stuff like that just because as I try to look at the complexities of the world and the city or the community that you live and coffee and all of this just this big chaotic mess of a rock hurling through space a million miles an hour and oh my gosh it's crazy <laughs> and, and it's very humbling and it's I, I look around and and to see others that that are I love I love how Steinbeck takes this philosophy and he 
just distills it down into these very few words. This is where Thou Mayest comes from, is from his book called East of Eden, calls it, this book is magnum opus. It's, I, and, I, and I still think that Steinbeck is, he's still one of my favorite American authors. And I think he does a great job of capturing just this classic Americana from the, specifically from you know, the 50s to the 70s kind of era, this pie and sky and sweet by and by, we don't have to take care of it because it's all gonna burn someday. And he's like, no, thou mayest, meaning like you have the choice. And it's this idea of this choice versus predeterminism. And a lot of these people feel confined to that pre, they don't say it and they don't recognize it, but they're living as if they believe in this predestination instead of you are the author of your own story. You're the painter. Thou mayest, meaning like you have the choice. You also have the choice not to, but you have the choice to succeed and to win. And, and that's where John Steinbeck says, and now that you don't have to be perfect, now you can be good. And so that to me is distilling it down into that. And that's what I think of when you say that. And now you don't have to be perfect. Now you don't have to have it all figured out. And now you can just be who you're supposed to be. Let the rock be a rock. Let the max be a max. Let the bow be a bow. Let the coffee be its coffee self. And being able to express things in the, those rawness or those realness and those moments. And if you can get those moments in revelation around other moments that are also in the process of revelation, God, what a magical place that exists. And it's, it used to be that coffee shop where it's like these little light bulbs were going off inside of, not just in, over people's heads, but I always imagined it like inside of them because all of a sudden it was like, whoa, that is crazy. What are the odds? And, yeah. It's always those statements. What are the odds? How did this happen? How did this come to be? And, and it's those, the, the magic that I see and the magic that I get to experience or the magic that I hold to or look towards for like immense amounts of energy for myself is like seeing others go through those spots where it's like uh, taking these larger lessons in life and all of a sudden it, it just makes sense. And it's, yeah, you're part of that community. We're all part of these and little things that you might learn about it or, or it gets revealed to you in a different way or and then being able to compare those notes with somebody else and that's how growth happens and being able to compare those ideas to have a space where you can throw them against the wall here's how i dealt with that anger i didn't i personally i didn't realize i had anger problems until this year and being able to, to talk with somebody in a professional setting <laughs> like actually deal with that very key. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know what that health ever looked like. I, I just thought it was a flaw and, and that it wasn't fixable and it's always fixable. So I can attest to its value. Yeah. The, the thou mayest of it all is, I think, what I'm taking away from our conversation. Back all the way to the beginning of the conversation, talking about your philosophies as it relates to landscape let the space be the space yeah. and let the bow be the bow. Let the coffee be the coffee. Let the world be the world that it is. There's an aspect of modus interruptus that I tend to shy away from. And that stems back to training that I received while at Patagonia or working as a, I was a hiking and sort of adventure guide in New York City. I'd take folks outside of the city on the weekends and we'd go hiking or mountain biking yeah. or whitewater rafting. Great white water rafting in Connecticut for about one month, the month of May. Right. But 
Leave No Trace was part of my training and Wilderness First Responder was part of my training. Understanding that, that it is true that you can leave a place cleaner than you found it. And that doesn't just go for wilderness. It goes for the space in the coffee shop that you are or the, the sp- spot on the sidewalk where you're standing. I have a spatial awareness that I, I wouldn't have had if not for that training. And, and I think that there's so much to be said for just paying reverence to the world around us. And Bo, you do a wonderful job of it. And I, I, I want turn to turn the table over to you and ask, what did you get out of the last hour or so that we talked? I'm highly inspired by the things that you just find is probably just like another day in the mind of Max. But the things a lot of times that, that you do and that not just you and a hypothetical you, like this you that is like in pursuit of something and the fact that other people are interested in that, I always find is, is fascinating. I'm very selective and very careful about who I look to for that inspiration because I'm trying to protect that spot in me that lets the brick be the brick instead of be convinced that somehow it needs to be covered up by stucco. <laughs> by walking into a shop where people say you need to have white subway tiles and you need to have these cheaper materials or you, here's what the industry is jamming down our throats now. And to look around and to say, no, there is another way. There is another way, not just to do business and to do friendships and to do connections. And that's what I'm interested in. And, and it's not really so much about the, hey, you know, I want this coffee empire. I want this. It's not a thing that I want. I, I don't seek after those types of things. And it's more of like mastery of, of craft. And it's, yeah, but what's your net worth? And I'm like, that's not interesting to me. That's <laughs> like, not, it's not valuable to the types of people that I'm hanging out with. And the types of people that, that give me energy are people who are these individualized, like they're looking at themselves and asking if they, if this is the best version that they're presenting. And it's been fun to watch you particularly over the years. I think I've, I caught you at the tail end of all plaid out the way I consume information. Sometimes it's, I don't always know actually where it's coming from. <laughs> I just, I'm consuming it in a, in, it's a very strange method that I use to do it, but it was one of those that when I do actually look at who is the, who wrote this article or who's producing these visuals or whatever. And it's, I'd see your name pop up more than once. And it was like, I just remember looking into to you and who, like what the things that you were interested in when, it, which was, I think at that time I was like really into this made in, made in America kick and you were working on some, you know, uh, how it's how it's made uh, what was that video series again the uh, it's called made right here made right here yeah 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 and, that, and that makers diyers people who are interested in the world and how it's put together around them the, those types of things always give me a lot of energy and just thank you for for your pursuit in that and your interest in that because it's such a under talked about it's not really cool making things like production like spreadsheets these are not cool things and the voices that are louder and have more hype in them and have more fluff in them and this entrepreneurial rah-rah whatever it is but we need more people like you and and mike rowe is another good one a friend of mine who's relatively well-known recording artist and musician he said who would have thought that the guy that always wore (laughs) khaki pants and oxford cloth button downs would suddenly be (laughs) 
celebrated for wearing khaki pants and Oxford cloth button downs. The fact is that I was always taking things apart and putting them back together. Yeah. Not well, just, you know, (laughs) I'm not like good at making anything. And I think I demonstrated that in the 10 episodes uh, that we were able to put together for Made Right Here. But I was fascinated by people who could do it, who did have that rote memorization, that ability to sit down and do one thing every day for decades, just one thing, yeah, the same thing every day, five days a week, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the climate of the economy. I'm not that person. I've never been that person. My interests fly around, but I will say that I do have a core interest in things that are sturdy and good and valuable to me. And that I feel like you were talking about like the Nordstrom of it all. I look for a lifetime guarantee or I look for a good warranty or I look for a good. That would be a fantastic podcast episode. It's like, like, how do you get a good guarantee? You know, and what are some of the guarantees that that other industries use? Because a lot of times I don't always hear them. I grew up with one and it was like Nordstrom. It was ridiculous. Like we get people trying to return Home Depot plants all the time (laughs) that have died. And they're like, my plant died. And you're like, you didn't get that from here, but we take it back anyway. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And I remember when I was first venturing into selling something with my name in it, I took it very seriously. And I did draft a guarantee. And if you dig back far enough into my Instagram, you can see the guarantee. It's a direct plagiarism of the ironclad guarantee of Patagonia and the now extinct guarantee that L.L. Bean put together Leon, Leon would be put it together, I think, in the early 1900s. And it's, we guarantee that this thing's going to work. And if it doesn't work for whatever reason in the way that you intend for it to work, send it back. And if you don't want it anymore, we'll give you your money back. But we're going to do everything we can to get it to work the way you want it to. And, And obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but that meant everything to me. And somebody did send me a California shirt that they busted the elbow. And they said, I don't want you to give me a new shirt. I want you to fix this shirt in the way that you can. And so I, wow. I sewed it. I physically sewed it. And then I also had it patched by my, at the time, my, my tailor in Los Angeles. And, and they wrote back and they were like, this is better than I could have ever expected. This is exactly what I wanted. And that's the kind of customer that yeah. I hope to attract. Yeah, I love that. And that's, that's actually like, you know, I, when I think of, of what kind of a coffee shop do you want to create? And I'm like, if I know that if I can create a spot where all the farmers want to come chaw in the morning and just come and shoot the shit and talk about the weather, what kind of prices grain are going for. And if I could create that spot for all those old guys as I will be done. <laughs> like I just want to, I want a spot that feels so comfortable for them because that's who my heart beats for is like the, the it's people funny. who are producing, you know, it's funny. Your old employer, that was the anecdote that he told me when we first met was he was carrying Red Wing and a farmer, or I, I think it was a farmer, came in and said that his Red Wing shop had closed and that he had this voucher that Red Wing gives a pair of boots to farmers. And he turned in the voucher and he walked out with a very rare pair of like black Chromexel <laughs> Red Wings from Baldwin. Oh man. Yeah. No, the, yeah. Baldwin is, yeah, that, that's a whole, that, that, yeah. that, that's, that's, that was kind of another influence about the same time I would, I worked for him and I, I was like, what is 
style. How can one have or possess said style? And asking, he was like, you either got it or you don't. And I was like, I want to got it. <laughs> I want to get it. I want to have it. Everybody has style. It's just how you employ it. Some people overdo it and others don't know how to employ it. So they just dress in all black. I, I, I don't think that people recognize that they, they have the power for that self-expression within the power of like their own hands. You define that for yourself. Let me ask you one last question. I'll get you out of here on this. All right. What is your motto? Oh man, I just, I love seeing people come alive in, in these kind of these safe spaces, these safe idea spaces, if nothing else, that um, to create for people to be able to, to spread their wings, to be able to, to flex it, to be able to try it, to be able to throw it against the wall to see if it breaks. And these kind of these spaces for ideas to flourish, these safe places where it's, let's just, let's meet, let's talk. Let's have these idea sessions and let's see what comes out of it. A lot of people will they'll be like, oh, you're the, the coffee guy. And I'm like, I, I run the idea brothels. Like I, <laughs> I, I like to create these spaces where ideas can come and commingle and, and be licentious, if you will. And, and they end up creating these little babies that come out of it sometimes. And these little idea babies that have memories, they have certain feelings, they have certain attachments to them. And I, I just, I'm fascinated by it. I'm addicted to making the spaces, seeing what those ideas can become, fostering those ideas. Because if we can get more of that, these positive spaces for people to be able to use it to, for themselves, to fill themselves up with good positive energy or to be able to connect with others, that's, I, f I feel like we can get a lot of the, the problems in the world solved if we would just lay down those ideas that are a little more harmful and come to the table with, with these ideas that can fix the world, that can heal the world, that can heal each other, you know, and, and bring these communities, bring these values, bring farming. It's all these like things that we talked about, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really just about being able to, to respect others and, and have spaces that, that people can come and express that. So that's my mission. I know of no one more capable than you, Bo. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for coming on the show. It was yeah. great to talk to you. Yeah, as always, Max, you're an inspiration. And, <laughs> and kind of the last thing that I was, my dad shared with all, me and my brothers this morning that I'll, pa and I'll pass on to you here, but The Man in the Arena. I don't know when the last time you read that by uh, Theodore Roosevelt, but it's a brilliant reminder of being engaged in the world. The, Life is a full contact sport and you better pad up and you better be ready to push back just a little bit. It's where the man in the arena is such a, a good reminder of, of what we're here and, and why we're here to do it. So I would just, I'll, I'll end on that. Yeah. I'm going to check that out right after this. All right. Thanks, Bo. Love you, man. Yeah. We'll talk to you, Max. Thank you for this opportunity. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bo Nelson. You can find Thou Mayest Coffee Roasters on Instagram at Thou underscore Mayest. That's T-H-O-U underscore M-A-Y-E-S-T. I'm taking the rest of 2020 off to move to Chicago, but no first we'll be back in 2021 with a full slate of brilliant guests. Thanks to everyone who contributed, tuned in, and helped by sharing an episode with their friends and followers over the course of these first 16 episodes. Happy New Year! Here's hoping 2021 brings with it a lot more opportunities for all of us to know ourselves a little bit better. 
This is the No First Podcast. The No First Podcast is a production of All Plaid Out. Our theme song is That's Right by Pop Villains. Thanks to Marla, Stella, and Ruby. Stay safe, stay healthy, and know first who you are. I'm going to throw this out there. I was thinking about this, but man, if you could find something to cash flow, there is nothing quite like having a, a warehouse to express yourself in. I could see you like all that in the background and just everything that's up here. I've got like a south facing window bay. There's just nothing better than having a, a, a wholesale or like a warehouse.